now and not to miss a moment. And that actually was such an unexpected moment, but felt so like Jesus actually was doing something and ministering. So thank you so much. And just wanted to say what a, what a joy it is to lead this household. It really is. I know I say that a lot, but I'll say it again. It's really, I, was actually, I actually said that to Jesus this morning when I was praying for this morning. I was like, thank you, Lord, that I get to be a part of this specific congregation. It really is such a, you're such an amazing bunch of people. And I know we've all got our issues and stuff, but like, it's a joy. It really is a privilege to be a part of this. And um, one of the most, I, I felt to share this now when we were praying, or when you were praying, um, the one session during the conference that wrecked me it was actually before the actual teaching. Um, in the morning, we were worshiping, and I, I just started seeing all the young, you know, like it was that stampede that happened every morning where people like trampling each other to get to the front to worship. Um, and I, I felt the Lord saying, that's beautiful to me. Um, remember that moment when, when the disciples were turning away the kids because they were being a nuisance to Jesus, and Jesus said, no, that's beautiful to me. I, I, I love those children. And I felt like there was that kind of moment where there's a generation that's hungry for the Lord. Um, and many of that generation are sitting right here this morning, like a hunger for the Lord. Like almost sometimes a, a zeal without knowledge, <laughs> but, but the zeal is beautiful, you know. And, and I just started, even in worship, I just started weeping as the Lord, for the, because I felt the Lord's heart for this next generation that's coming through. And that was before, um, what's that, Ashley got up the afternoon, and when he started sharing about Priscilla and Aquila, I was like, oh, that's what the Lord was doing in me before he uh, said it. And I can't say it, because he said it just with such a great, what kind of accent is that? But you guys, many of you, bet, bet, ah, together. That's my best, that's my best attempt. But I mean it sincerely, like my heartfelt desire is that you, all of you would run way past me. And I want to live to see it, but not after I die. I want to live to see every person in this congregation going past me. And I'll, I'll be rejoicing and shouting you forward. And it feels like we're in that kind of season where the Lord is wanting the next generation to grab a hold of what God's put in them. And, I, and it was so beautiful what Ashley was saying. You know, tell us the things that are obvious to you but that are not obvious to us. And I love that. And I, I, I want to do that. You know, I want to te- teach the obvious things to you that maybe are not obvious to you because you're going to need them to go past me. Um, but for this morning, I, I wanted to start with a scripture which the AV doesn't actually have. So let me just give that to you. It was in the prayer meeting. The Lord reminded me of this. Um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Um, you need to actually share this word with me um, the, another morning. Just a word for City Bowl. And just while we were praying this morning, I, I was reminded of this word, and I wanted to share it with you before I get into what I feel the Lord's laid on my heart for this morning. Is you need to hear. Oh, there you are. Um, Have you got it? It's uh, Acts chapter, is it there? Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers 
living in the fear of the Lord. Just leave that up there. That is an incredibly peculiar passage and incredibly rich and beautiful. And so Yonita shared this with me, feeling like this is something for City Bowl. Um, We have grown in numbers this year. But it's not just numbers for numbers' sake. It's because of what came before. And I feel like the Lord wants to remind us of that this morning. It says they were strengthened. We as a congregation have been strengthened and are continually being strengthened. Even this morning we are strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Like there's an encouragement which we have. There's a life that we have. There's a joy that we have. There's a grace that we experience through communion with the Holy Spirit. Even in worship and prophecy and encouraging one another. And living in the fear of the Lord. And you think, surely you can't put them both in the same sentence. Well, there it is. An encouragement in the Holy Spirit and a fear of the Lord. And you have to have both. And it feels like the Lord wants to remind us of that this morning, that there's an encouragement and a joy and a, and a, and a communion and a fellowship with the Holy Spirit that we experience, which causes us to grow. But it's also as we walk in the fear of the Lord. And the Lord's, it's really been a big theme this year is the fear of the Lord. What does it actually mean? How do we walk in the fear in the Lord? of the Lord, but also this grace that we experience. So this morning I want to speak about something which touches a little bit on the fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord, but it's necessary for the topic. Because the topic I want to speak about, and I did feel like the Lord actually laid this on my heart for us, is got to do with the words that we speak. Um, I don't know if you remember that song um, from primary school. You know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. Remember that song? The scripture actually says the exact opposite. The scripture actually speaks about the power of our words being more destructive and edifying, depending on which words, than physical blessings. Um, and, And the Bible speaks frequently about being careful with the words that come up out of our mouth. I want to read a, a verse um, which summarizes so much of what I feel the, the, the Lord wants to say this morning. Let's put up Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only, listen to this, but only, what words should come out of our, our mouths? But only what is helpful For what? For building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Words, the Bible says, are incredibly powerful for two things, for building up and for tearing down. And we choose which we're going to do with our words. Think about your life. I was reflecting on this. Words that have dis- that have left scars that are still still getting healed of. Um, it was words. I've had many physical injuries. I've been smacked by a minibus taxi on a motorbike and almost killed. Um, but actually, the things that have left the longest scars wasn't the minibus taxi. It was words, words from people that I loved. And there have been times when I have felt so discouraged. I felt like I couldn't go on. Have you been there? Like, not just a bad day, but like, I, I don't even know if it's worth going on anymore. Like, that discouraged. And, a, and words from a friend. 
a timely word. Maybe, a, hey, I was just praying for you and I felt to encourage you. And it's in, isn't it incredible? Like the grace that you experience from a loving friend sharing encouraging words in a timely moment. And you just suddenly feel like nothing has changed, but I, I feel like I can go on. I feel like, isn't it, isn't it incredible? And so in this passage, don't you want to just put it up again? It speaks about words which are for building others up according to their needs. In the ESV, it says that it may give grace to those who hear. Do you know that our words can give grace? Grace is the, is the, the power, the strength of the Holy Spirit that gives me power to do something I couldn't do before. Isn't that beautiful? Words can do that. And then it says, um, not, do not let any unwholesome talk. That word unwholesome actually means rotten, like a rotten fruit, fruit that's dead, that's got a stench about it. Our words can carry the stench of death. Or our words can bring life. And the scriptures actually say that. In Proverbs chapter 18 in the NLT, um, we've got it, Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20. Words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. Those who love to talk will experience the consequences or the tongue can kill or nourish life. Isn't that incredible? It's quite sobering, hey? So how, I wanted to just share a few practical handles before I go on to talk about something else that Jesus said. How can we, how can we bring life to our brothers and our sisters with our words? Just a few practical things. This is very practical, but sometimes it's helpful. First thing is encouragement. Like I mentioned, you've experienced the power of encouraging words in a timely moment. I would love for myself, but also for us as a people, to have a culture of encouragement. You know, when you're praying in the morning, it's so tempting to just bring your needs list before the Lord. These are all the things I'm trusting you for, Lord, for me. But God wants us to encourage each other, to pray for one another. So many times, it's as I've prayed for people, the Lord actually begins to lay words of encouragement on my heart for other people. But then to actually take the time to send them that word of encouragement. And sometimes it's just such a timely moment. Um, So I want to encourage us to be a people that doesn't just pray for ourselves, but to pray, God, would you give me a word of encouragement for someone else? And And it's amazing, isn't it? It's literally free. But it can mean so much. It can bring life and grace to someone else. Cost me next to nothing, maybe a few minutes of my day. But literally, the difference sometimes between life and death for somebody else. Somebody could get back into the fight that was about to give up because of a word of encouragement. Then the Bible also says that we're called to comfort one another. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit himself is a comforter. How many times have you said it, and I heard other people say it, that in my times of Lowest grief, the Holy Spirit has drawn so near and been a comforter. But we can comfort and console others with our words. And the God, God has called us to be grace givers with our words, to see people when they are 
pain. The Bible, in pain, the Bible speaks about um, mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's one of the, the upsides and the downsides of being in a church family. Is you rejoice with those who are rejoicing and you mourn with those who are mourning. And we, com- we can comfort and bring grace to each other in times of pain. The Bible also speaks about prophesying over one another. Prophesying has got to do with the future good which God has for you. Prophecy has got a, a, an incredibly encouraging way of, yes, this is where I'm at right now, and this is what I'm struggling with right now, but I want to remind you of the future good which God has for you. And, and, and it's, it's giving vision to people for the future. And that an encouragement can, can often be found in prophecy. And then in Proverbs 15, verse 1, this is incredibly profound. And it's so profound because every one of us knows it's true because you've seen it happen in your life and in someone else's life. Proverbs is like that. When you see it, you just nod your head and like, that is so, so true. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many of you have experienced when somebody says something to, to you that's sharp and, it's, and it hurts? You have a, jo- a choice in that moment. A gentle answer, and you know it'll diffuse the situation and there'll be reconciliation and you'll go on. Or you can say, okay, I can also play that game and reply with a sharp word. And what you choose to do in that moment will determine the future of that relationship. Isn't it true? You know, you can either diffuse it with a gentle answer or or, or just throw a a bit of petrol on that flame. And Jesus has called us to be peacemakers. That doesn't mean we avoid conflict, but it means we don't stir up conflict by replying a harsh word with a harsh word. Does that make sense? And it's all in the power of what we choose to say in that moment. But I want to turn to now uh, a different... um, situation which Jesus spoke. Maybe before we get to Jesus, I want to I put up, I, did, I don't know if I gave you this one, James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. This has got to do with the community aspect. Have you got it? The community aspect of church. Church is a, a community of people. The Bible would also describe us as a forest, like a forest made up of multiple trees. Uh, and the Bible says in James chapter 3, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. What's the spark? The tongue is a fire. And so, in a community like this, our words can start fires. And our words can bring grace or our, our words can start fires. And it's quite a vivid picture, which I want us to have in our mind. The picture, uh, when was it last year? Was it this year still when we had that massive fire on the forest? Was it last year? Paolo will remember. Where is he? Where? There you are. Was it last year when your home went up in, in smoke? <laughs> and uh, there was a spark that started a forest fire which destroyed forests but also homes. And so in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, this is what Jesus said we should do if there's, some, if there's conflict 
If somebody does something which hurts us, this is how you contain the fire. And it's not a, it's not a suggestion, it's a command of, of Jesus. And Jesus is the wise one. He's the ancient of days. He's been around for thousands and thousands of years, and his wisdom is coming through you. And sometimes we miss the wisdom, but it's, it's this wisdom that stops fires. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. That is incredible wisdom. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Then he goes on to say, if they don't listen to you, what should you do there? And I would encourage you to read that passage. If you have done that and they don't listen, what should you do then? He's got some practical wisdom on that. But I wanted to pick up on this aspect of just between the two of you. There's something that the scriptures say, which I'll read for you now, but it's also something which I've seen pastorally. If you, instead of going to the person, you share something that's between the two of you with somebody else, you actually do something which is unfair. Because you're offended, but you have the power to make right by going and speaking to that person. But if you share with a third person, they don't have any recourse. Uh, just to give an example, say George does something to me which hurts me. And I say, you said sorry. <laughs> and instead of going to George, I share with Antoinette what happened. Here's the trouble that Antoinette sits with now. She can't go to George and say, hey, George, you know that when you did that thing to Luke, it really hurt me. <laughs> Can she? That would just be strange. George is going to be like, I'm sorry. When who did what to what? She wasn't involved. But does that mean that her heart isn't hurt? No, her heart is hurt. She loves me and George has hurt me. So, her, she, so she's hurt. But what, she, what is she going to do about it? She can't actually do anything about it. Well, she can, but it's sort of very convoluted. She might actually have to get us both in the same room and say, but it can hurt her heart. And here's the strange thing. Next time she sees George, it's not quite the same. Have you, have you experienced that before? Somebody shares something with you and it wasn't really to do with you. It was kind of interesting, but it, it's not really, it's just whatever. But then the next time you see that person, you suddenly your heart's like, there's a separation that's happened now. And it puts Antoinette in a very difficult situation because what does she do now? Does she go to George and say, hey, George, you know, when you did that thing to Luke, it wasn't right. George is like, were you, were you there? How do you even know? He's like, well, I heard that somebody said it. And then it just gets weird. And this is exactly what the scriptures actually say. Um, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And there's a danger that if you don't obey the words of Christ and go to the person and instead speak to someone else, you can actually separate close friends. And you feel that separation, and sometimes you don't even know how it happens, but suddenly your hearts are, it's like our hearts aren't as knitted, and it's because of somebody, something that somebody else said. And it's not Jesus' desire for us as a body. The, that, the fire has then spread. 
And so Jesus said we should go to the other person and speak to them one-on-one. There is incredible wisdom in that. Can I tell you why there's so much wisdom? I'll break it down a little bit. Number one, I've noticed that oftentimes when somebody says something or does something that hurts you, they don't even know that what they said or what they did hurt you. True? How many times have you had somebody come to me and say, hey, you know, when you did that, it it really hurt me, and and you're so surprised. Like, really? I'm sorry. I didn't even know. I didn't even intend it to come. Now, sometimes people do things maliciously, but in my experience, within the church, nine times out of ten, it wasn't even malicious. They did it unknowingly. But the wisdom of Christ is that when that person comes to you and says, when you did that, when you said that, it hurt me, there's now an opportunity to say, I'm so sorry, I didn't even, I didn't even know. That wasn't my intention, or actually, this is what I meant. And I'm so sorry. And immediately, it's now my, our hearts are restored. They're reconciled. But that opportunity would not have been there if the person hadn't had the courage to come and speak to you about it. The thing I've noticed with our generation, and it's a very broad statement to say our generation, because where does it begin and end? But whatever you mean by that, is that we are conflict-averse, most of us. Some of us love conflict, and Lord bless you for that, and bless us, bless us with grace for your ability to love conflict. But many of us, and I would include myself in this, it's not instinctive to run towards people and want to make right. We, we, it's a skill that we have to learn. But this is a skill Jesus commanded us that we must learn. If we have to have the, the unity and the harmony and the love and the community that Christ wants for us, we have to learn to summon up the courage and go to someone and say, hey, and this is how I would, how I would, how I would encourage you to start. When you said this, when you did that, it hurt me. I just wanted you to know that so that we can make right. Does that make sense? And, and the, the second thing is that it does is it creates opportunity for reconciliation, but it also contains the fire so that the spark doesn't set the forest on fire. And that is equally important. I want to just give a word of encouragement to you for those of us that are empathetic listeners. Sometimes when people come, it's like they're processing, right? They're processing their hurt. They're processing that. And it sounds very spiritual to help to be an empathetic listener to somebody who's processing their hurt. But if that hurt is between them and someone else, you can't empathetically listen. That's not actually helpful. And you will think you're helping them, but you're going to walk away with something in your own heart towards that person. Jesus said it would happen. It does happen. Even if you are a leader. Community leaders, deacons, elders, if it's not got to do with you, be careful about being an empathetic listener. Jesus said, speak to the person first. If they don't listen, then speak to somebody else and get them involved. But if I'm as a leader... If this doesn't involve me, and if you are not involving me, then don't tell me. I don't want to know. Go and speak to them yourself. Don't pretend like you need my help for you to process your heart. It's like, well, here's how to process your heart. Go and speak to the person. When you've resolved it, then I'll come pray for you. But I'm not even sure if I want to know what that person said to you or did to you because it's not got to do with me. What if I get secondhand offense? What am I going to do? I, I, Luke Hiley, get secondhand offense. I promise you, I don't want to know. I, I don't want to be processing my heart about something that happened between you and a friend. Go and sort it out. Does that make sense? I know I'm saying this quite bluntly, but Jesus also said it quite bluntly. 
So what do you do if someone's busy processing with you? Here's what you do. You tell them what Jesus said. I love you. I love that person that you're talking about. I'm sorry that you had this blowout. I'm going to encourage you. Don't tell me. Go and speak to them. In fact, I'm going to message you next week to find out, did you speak to them? You see how what I did there? Just sort of turned the tables. I'm going to be a good brother to you. I'm going to support you and encourage you in this. I'm going to phone you next week and find out tomorrow. How did it go? Did you make peace? Is that, is that cool? We, some of us are good at empathetically listening, but we're actually, in, we're actually enabling sin. Jesus said um, a lot about careless words as well. Now, this is a more tricky thing. That's why the Bible speaks about putting a guard on. You know, there are prayers. Lord, put a guard on my mouth. Help me to control what comes out of my mouth. Sometimes we don't have malicious intent in our heart, but we just say things before we think and we cause damage. And so the Bible speaks about careless words. And we can undo so much of what the good that God has done through careless words. That's not to say that it has to stay that way. You can go and make right afterwards. But the, but the responsibility on us is to be careful about what we say. And I want to pick up on two things specifically here. One is complaining and one is joking. Ouch. (laughs) One is complaining and one is joking. Complaining is oftentimes saying something which is true. Correct? Oftentimes when we're complaining, I'm not lying. It is true. But is it edifying? Is actually moaning about it going to change anything? Maybe I will feel better after I've had a good complaint, but will the person I'm complaining to feel better after you've finished complaining? Think about, the, think about worst case scenario. We all know people that all they do is complain. How does it feel when you think you're going to go and spend time with that person and hear them moan and moan? Do you feel like, man, this is going to be edifying, encouraging. I'm going to be so much closer to the Lord. I'm going to be so much full of faith for this life that this Lord's called, the Lord's called me to live. Do we? <laughs> Why is it that you get this sense of dread? Like, oh, we're going to be complaining about ESCOM for the next 30 minutes. Great. Is ESCOM going to be any improved after that? No, no, it's still going to be a stage eight. And so we started by speaking about our words either give grace to those who we are talking to or they bring the smell of rotten fruit. And that's what complaining is. So I, I, I want to just exhort you. How do you speak about your work? How do you speak about South Africa? How do you speak about the president of South Africa? How do you speak about the government? How how do you speak about Josh Jen? How do you speak about... You know, sometimes 
we say things and it's, it's off-handed, but it actually sets the course of people's lives. Here's an example. You're in a session in the 412 conference and it was all right, but it's not like the Lord specifically said a lot to you in that session, right? I mean, this was great. There's nothing wrong with it, but just like, oh, okay, average. I'm sure someone else got there. Uh, and, that, and you're thinking that, and that's fine. Like the Lord didn't minister you to you in that particular session. And you speak to somebody else, and, and the Lord really spoke to them. And they come to you, and they're like, you know what? That, how incredible was Brad when he shared that word? And you're like, yeah, it was all right. What have you just done in that moment? How, that, that, that person that you just spoke to, suddenly they're thinking, maybe it wasn't actually that amazing. I'm to, maybe I'm overhyping you a bit. Actually, now that you... Do you see how just such a small little comment, like, yeah, it was all right, actually potentially is now undermined something that the Lord was doing in that person's heart. Did it need to be said? Was it edifying? Was it grace-giving? No, it was just like, oh, it was all right. The scripture would say to you in that moment, if you've got nothing good to say, just be quiet. (laughs) True? If you've got nothing good to say, it's not going to edify just don't say anything. Just say, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that it was cool for you. I'm so glad the Lord ministered. Can I pray for you? Yeah. In Philippians 2, verse 14, 16, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. It is a command. It's not just a suggestion. The next one I want to mention is Romans chapter 12, verse 9. This one, this one is also quite cutting. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. Can I just give a caution when it comes to joking? Now, keep in context who I am, right? I love joking. Um, mate, do you want me to illustrate by, by sharing a joke? No, okay. But what's important in, what, in our joking is we don't use joking to criticize someone or, or critique them or give them positive feedback or constructive feedback on something, but, but I'm afraid to just use normal plain language, so I have to hide it in, in, in a joke. That's not, that's not Christ-like. If you've got something constructive to say, say it in love. Say it well. Don't hide it in joking. Because sometimes when you, when, then the person's like, were they joking? Or was there a bit of truth in that? Or were they trying to tell me something and they, they're too scared to tell me? That, that's not Christ. That's not the Holy Spirit. If you've got something to say, just say it. There is a place for speaking truth in love. We, 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 know, we talk about accountability and all of these things. There's a, it's good. There is a place for speaking truth. But don't hide it in a joke. The other thing to measure is, are they laughing as much at the joke as I am? True? If you're always making jokes at somebody else's expense, is it for yourself or is it for them also? And it's something to, to, to take notice of. Are they just laughing? It's like, oh, I, can't believe, I can't believe it's the same thing every time. And they're laughing out of politeness? Or are they laughing because they also enjoy? Now, again, you can get legalistic about this. It's like 
we do make fun of each other, and sometimes I can laugh at my own expense because it's like whatever, right? But if it's a if it's a veiled critique, and it's always going on about the same thing, it can actually be destructive. And the Bible does say that your love be genuine. There's a sincerity that the Lord's called us to, even in our speech, so that we don't we shouldn't be constantly guessing whether the person is trying to say something or, you know, does that make sense? Also, honoring that we'd have a culture of honor. If you're constantly critiquing people and making fun of people and breaking them down with your jokes, it's got to be in the context of a culture of honor. Does that make sense? And I would say, especially in the context of marriage. It just keeps getting more and more real, this day. Especially in the context of marriage. Like if your words in public are constantly making fun of my spells, is it, am I also honoring her? You hear what I'm saying? Or is it just always making jokes at the expense of my, my spouse and it's actually not honoring her and building her up? And so scripture wants us, Jesus wants us to be people that bring grace. I, start, I'm, I started and I'm ending now. God wants us to be people that use these powerful things called words to bring grace to bring life, to bring encouragement. We all need far more encouragement than I think we realize and what other people realize. Let's use our words to strengthen one another, to edify one another, to encourage one another, to build, to call out the good and the gold and the future that God has for each other with our words. May we keep each other in prayer and and share words with one another and have Uh, each other's best interest in heart and pick up on when people need encouragement. Sometimes you you just miss it because you're too busy or too preoccupied with your life. I'll end with this scripture in James chapter 1. Anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. How sad would it be to have a heart of gold and a heart for Christ and a heart for his kingdom and for his bride, but because of a reckless, recklessness with our words, we would undo all the good that God wanted to do through us. Maybe let's close eyes and pray. Lord Jesus, we are so mindful that You want us to grow, not only corporately, but individually, Lord, in our walks with you. It does feel like, Lord, you've put your finger on something this morning. And we want to respond, Lord. Lord, I pray not only this morning, but every day, would you, by your spirit, remind us of these things, Lord, that we would walk with the reverence of the Lord, even in how we speak, Lord. We wouldn't be reckless or careless with our words, but we would be a people that would bring grace with our words, Lord. People of encouragement, people of honor, people of grace. I feel like, I feel like the Lord wants us to respond this morning and not respond by getting prayer or ministry from someone else, or, but just respond to the Lord directly. And actually just say sorry.
to the Lord. Can we do that? I, I, I'm going to just mention a few specific things, but if you feel like the Holy Spirit's pricking your conscience on any or all of these things, don't you want to just stand with me? The first thing is, have I been using my words to build up or break down? Have I been sharing my offense with other people or with the person that I have offense with? Have I been entertaining gossip from others, not actually pushing them back to the person? Have I been too careless or reckless with my words? Complaining or joking in a way that actually isn't honoring. Maybe let's just stand. That's you. It's not about other people. It's about God. We live for an audience of one. Lord Jesus, we are sorry where we've dishonored you with our words, where we've maybe caused harm or spread fires. And that doesn't honor you, Lord Jesus. We confess that we've sinned against you first, Lord, and our brother second. And we're sorry, Lord. I pray, would you even sharpen our conscience, Lord, if our conscience has grown dull in this area. Would you sharpen our conscience, Lord? Would you make us more aware of our words? Lord, we asking you, show us, Lord, when we dishonor you. We'll make right, Lord. But even right now, we acknowledge, Lord, that we haven't always honored you with our word. Would you forgive us, Lord Jesus? Maybe just in your heart, just make right with the Lord. His, his grace is here to forgive. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He expects us to be humble and acknowledge us. And so we just humbly come before you, Lord, and we say, would you forgive us? Lord, would you wash us clean with your, with your blood? Would you forgive us and would you change us and shape us and mold us, Lord? We want to walk in a reverential fear of you, but also in the encouragement of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can sit, sit. Just want to give one last opportunity. This is for those of you, if you are here this morning and you want to actually be born again. If you're here this morning, we, we don't believe that you can go to heaven by just trying really harder to be a good person. Scripture says, all have sinned. All fall short of God's standard. Not only with our words, but with our actions. And the scriptures say that it's through faith in Christ Jesus that we are forgiven, that we are made new, and that we are changed. So let's, with every eye closed, let's just close our eyes. If there's someone here this morning and you just feel like, man, there's an opportunity here. I've come to church because I'm seeking God. And I just realize, even as you're speaking right now, I need to make right with God. I need to be born again. I need to have my sins forgiven maybe to come back to Christ or to maybe even start walking with Christ for the first time. The, the scripture says that it is through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you can't come to the Father except through me. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. And if that is you here this morning and you would like to make a commitment to Christ, to make him your Lord and your Savior. Savior means forgiveness. Lord means he becomes the boss. 
Whereas I've been the boss of my life. I've made my own decisions. Now I yield to his lordship and I follow him and I obey him. If that is you this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Don't you want to just lift up your hands so I know who you are and where you are so I can pray with you? If there isn't anyone like that here this morning, not to embarrass you, but Jesus died on the cross so that you could be saved. And that's why we're here. Is anyone like that here this morning? Okay, cool. Awesome. Luke, thanks so much. Um, I, just, I just felt that um, when Luke mentioned marriages, I felt like Luke hit that for a four, but I felt like that potentially should be a six. It should have gone over the boundary. And, um, and I just want to I just want to be bold and say, guys, our marriages in this, in this church aren't as strong as they should be. And I think what Luke was touching on is, is, is potent and it's on, on the nose. Now, I just want to say, in my own life, there was a time many years ago where I was at a friend's birthday, and that same friend messaged full, phone full the day or two after and says, are you guys okay? And then Paul's like, oh, we're fine, why? She said, no, just one of my friends in my community just saw the way you guys are talking, and she thought it was very disrespectful how George was talking to you. And I was so upset. I was like, I cannot believe it. How could you think such a thing? Such a loving, devoted husband. <laughs> you know? So I couldn't see it, but I knew that even when someone brings correction, there's always a, a small measure of truth, no matter how small it is there. So I, messaged, I emailed five of my closest buddies, and I said, guys, is there anything in the way I treat my wife that is not holy or pure? And four of them came back and said, but you're a great husband. Keep going. But one, my one friend, Brian, said, he, he emailed back and said, bud, you're a good husband, but I must be honest, sometimes your jokes are too sharp. And sometimes you try being correction and humor, and it isn't edifying. And I repented, and I changed my way from that day forward, because it actually was affecting my witness to those people who know God and also don't know God. So I just want to encourage us, those of us who are married, let's, let's hold our marriages in the highest regard. If there's an issue or a frustration with your spouse, you go to Jesus. Okay? You, seek, you seek for the victory of your marriage in the quiet places, not in jest in front of everybody. So I just want to share that testimony of marriage. Hans, you wanted to share something quick? I'm just going to read the scripture. I don't want to take away, Luke, that was so good and so key. Um, But I really kept thinking about this Noah, the story, uh, Noah, after he gets rescued and then covenant gets made. It says, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah waked from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done, He said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. And that's like God's standard. It's it's massive. Like what Ham should have done was what the other two brothers don't tell anybody. Go in backwards cover. And that's exactly this what we need to do. Good Hans.
So guys, we're going to go from this place, and we, we didn't just hear a nice preach that tickles our ears and we're happy and we feel like we're a better person. We're going to go from this place and we're going to repent. If, if there's someone you still offend, that's amazing. Everyone stood up, we prayed, fantastic. If there's someone you need to talk to today, you message them. Today, you phone them. Today, you make right. As long as it's called today, we make those bridges fixed and new. And... Um, Yeah, yeah. That's all I want to say. We're doing it. Uh, it's just exciting, guys. And the, what I wanted to say, the, the reason why we do this on the horizontal, because we want to reflect the church on the vertical. Okay. When people come into this place, we are young, we are old, we are Caucasian, we are Indian, we are black, we are very different, right? But we also have the same God, and we need to reflect Him appropriately. All right. Okay, be blessed, church. Amen.